Welcome to episode 35 of Insects for Fun. I'm your host, Mitchell Logan. And today, we will be looking at a very interesting relationship between two unlikely species. In the insect world, there is a family of butterflies known as Lycaenidae, which has around 6,000 species. It's actually the second largest family next to Nymphalidae, but the butterflies themselves are not very large. Commonly referred to as gossamer wing butterflies, Lycaenids are very small, with a wingspan often under 5 centimeters. I guess gossamer in this case would mean delicate or dainty because of how small the butterflies are. These butterflies can be found across the globe and are divided into varying subfamilies that depend on where you are. In the United States, for example, we often see blues, coppers, and hair streak lycaenids. But in more tropical places, there is a much greater variety. These common names refer to the appearance of their wings, and I'm sure I don't have to explain the difference between coppers and blues. Hair streaks, though, get the name from the thin lines that are streaked across the underside of their wings. But I didn't write this episode to talk about all the small details regarding subfamilies, because there is something far more interesting happening with around 70% of all the butterflies in this family, regardless of what their wings look like. And that would be their relationship with ants. Ants are usually predators when it comes to caterpillars. And as we've learned in previous episodes of this podcast, they can be quite formidable, especially against other insects. But the caterpillars of Lycaenid butterflies have evolved many intricate biological adaptations to bend the ant's will. For example, many caterpillars in this family of butterflies have special pores on their skin called pore cupolas, and they're used to attract ants and tell them that the caterpillar is not prey, but actually an ally. Others have nectar glands which ants can milk for honeydew. This is literally honey trapping for the gain of protective services by the ants. Ants are extremely protective of their territories and resources, so much so that there are many species of ants in the rainforest that literally make a forest clearing by killing and removing all plants that could jeopardize the growth of special trees they rely on. Having these kinds of bodyguards is extremely handy when you're a small, vulnerable caterpillar. This ant-tending relationship between caterpillars and the ants is referred to as myrmecophily and translates to ant-loving. And there are a few different ways in which these kinds of relationships can occur. The first of these is known as facultative mutualism. And this simply means the caterpillars don't need the ants to survive, but they do make use of them while they're around and form a beneficial alliance. The second is obligate mutualism, which means that the caterpillars do in fact require the help of ants in order to survive and make it to the butterfly stage. These kinds of interactions are not always mutualistic though. In fact, there are quite a few species of Lycaenid butterflies whose caterpillars act as a parasite and live off the ants' resources with no benefit to the ants at all. And this is done in a number of ways, the one common factor between all of these, though, is that the caterpillars always trick the ants into thinking it's one of them, or even brainwashing them with laced honeydew made from their bodies. Let's first take a look at one of Great Britain's most rare butterfly species, known as a large blue. Now, large blue butterflies actually did go extinct on the island, 
and had to be reintroduced from mainland Europe. Thankfully, this reintroduction has been very successful and the populations are once again stable. Anyway, this butterfly's caterpillars use both scents and sounds to trick ants into thinking that they are one of them. They don't do this right away though. Typically speaking, caterpillars within the large blue genus start out by feeding on their natural host plants until they reach their fourth instar. At this point, the caterpillar drops to the ground and emits a pheromone that tells ants of a specific species that it's one of them. The ants then carry this caterpillar into the nest where one of two things happen. Either the caterpillar gets fed by the ants as if it were a baby queen, or the caterpillar takes a hard 180 and begins feeding on ant larvae. Survival rate is much higher, as you'd expect, in the species which feign being a larval queen and get fed by the ants, as opposed to the caterpillars which eat the nest. The caterpillars which fake being a larval queen are referred to as cuckoo caterpillars, and they produce the sound of a genuine queen ant larvae, which causes the ants to put the caterpillars in high priority and abandon genuine ants within the colony. However, this tactic really is only useful for specific species. Let's say, for example, one of these caterpillars gets taken in by a slightly different species. The chances of being predated by those ants really increase, simply because the mimicry isn't perfect. Predatory caterpillars, on the other hand, are more versatile, but have lower odds of survival when compared with the cuckoo species. Now this is simply because predatory behavior is a lot more invasive in a negative way than pretending to be a queen. Now what I find even more incredible about both of these caterpillars though is that even the pupae have glands which continue to tell the ant that it's one of them. Only once the butterfly e-closes does it really need to hurry out of the nest because at that point the butterfly is, well, out of the bag, for real. Now let's go to Australia and look at one of their rarest butterflies known as the Bathurst Copper or Purple Copper Butterfly. This one, unlike the large blue, doesn't use the ants as a food source, but actually has the ants protect them in exchange for special honeydew, which the caterpillar excretes from a gland on its back. The caterpillar feeds on a host plant known as Blackthorn and can only be found in a limited range at altitudes greater than 850 meters. The caterpillars are also rarely seen because the ants actually carry them into their nests during the day to protect them. Then the ants take them back out at night and put them on their respective host plants where the caterpillar will resume feeding. Once the caterpillar is ready to pupate, it once again returns to the ant's nest where it stays dormant until it's ready to eclose, months later. Now, as always, I'm gonna put pictures on the Instagram and Facebook, so you can go and take a look at those if you want at insects number four fun on Instagram or insects for fun on Facebook. The links of course will be in the episode description. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to rate it and leave a review if you can on whatever platform you listen. It really helps spread the word and get more people who are interested in insects a greater chance of finding this podcast. And of course, you can tell your friends too. That always works. Thanks again, and you'll hear from me next week.